Welcome to the First Pres podcast, which features the message from this past Sunday's worship. If you would like to worship with us in person, our services are Sunday mornings at 8.30, 9.10, and 11 o'clock. You can learn more about First Pres at www.first-pres.org. I invite you this morning to turn to the book of Philippians, chapter 4 in the New Testament, This past month, we have been talking about gentleness, and today we conclude that series. As we look at what Paul writes to the church in Philippi, as we consider what it means for us today, let's first go to our Lord and ask Him to lead us in this time together. Let's pray together. Oh, holy God, once again today we come to the feast of Your table, of Your Word, and we long to hear a word from You, Lord, that would speak into our lives that would guide us in our faith. And Lord, what encourages us is knowing that you desire this even more than we do. And so we pray that you would give us ears to hear, that you would give us eyes to see, minds that would be receptive, and that you would give us hearts that would be responsive. Please go before us now in Jesus' name, amen. Let's listen to Paul's words in... Philippians chapter 4, beginning with verse 4. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice, and the God of peace will be with you. One of my most awkward moments around worship occurred many years ago when our church that I was at was celebrating the Lord's Supper. In those days, the, the, the cups were passed down the, the, the pew and trays just as we do in this service. And as they reached me, I began to take out my cup. But the server next to me, I think, was a little too eager to get to the next row because as I was withdrawing it, he raised the tray, causing it to bump the bottom of my cup, causing my cup to tip causing all of the contents of the cup to spill down my shirt. Did I mention it was a white shirt? (laughs) Worship ended just a few minutes later, and I still to this day remember the, the sense of embarrassment I had that everyone I encountered after worship could see me wearing the contents of that cup. And I knew they were probably forming impressions, perhaps, of my own clumsiness that must have caused that. How often have many of us held a a cup of coffee or some other liquid that's been jarred in some way? And when we do, 
we watch the contents suddenly come spilling out upon us or upon our surroundings. And I was thinking this week that this often happens in our own lives as well on a more personal level. We experience unexpected moments when we are jostled by life or by our interactions with others. And when that happens, what's inside of us inevitably comes spilling out in our reaction. Now, these moments tend to prompt two consequences. First, they provide a a reflection like a mirror for us to briefly get a glimpse of what's inside of us. I had a seminary professor who once referred to sudden uh, moments of life challenge as a pop quiz because they abruptly reveal what we are made of. And it's not a bad idea for us to take note of such moments and even to seek to learn from them as we see what spills out of us. But the second consequence of these moments isn't just that they reflect back to us what's inside, but we wear it for all of the world to see. And these revelations of what's within us cannot help but shape others' perceptions of us and even of our faith. If we're honest, these sudden moments of reaction don't always reveal our best. And we may find ourselves cringing at what we see emerging. This series on gentleness encourages us to consider God's work within us, to allow more of it and less of our own stuff to spill out. In his letter to the Galatians, Paul described nine fruit or indications of the Holy Spirit's work within us. Let's read them together again this morning. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. Now, interestingly, today's passage highlights three of these fruit of the Spirit, joy, peace, and gentleness. And we've noticed throughout this this series that among these nine fruit of the Spirit, gentleness can perhaps be most easily overlooked or undervalued. And so let's look one more time at this fruit of gentleness so that we can wear it for all the world to see. Perhaps one of the best ways to describe this text in front of us this morning is that it's a rapid-fire burst of instructions. Within these six verses, we find seven Greek imperatives, each signaling a command from Paul. Paul's first command to rejoice was obviously so important, he repeated it again. When we read in verse 4, rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. The word rejoice comes from the same Greek root word for joy, 
You see, our, our external rejoicing becomes a marker of the Spirit's internal work of joy inside of us. Perhaps that's why Pastor Sam Shoemaker once noted, the surest mark of a Christian is not faith or even love, but joy. The Greek wording that Paul uses here calls for continual and habitual rejoicing. I wonder how many of us remember the joy that we experienced almost three years ago now when Peyton Manning and the Denver Broncos won the Super Bowl. Well, I don't know if you've noticed, but that joy has not been continual the past few years. And it certainly has not been habitual from week to week. In contrast, our rejoicing is not fueled by fleeting emotion or by the highs of life. Paul instructs us to rejoice in the Lord. He becomes our reason for rejoicing. He becomes our source of rejoicing, our reason for joy. Cuban pastor Moises Silva said, Our rejoicing depends not on changing circumstances, but on the one who does not change. We look beyond life that too often isn't as we wish it was. And we celebrate the bigger story of what God is doing in our lives and in our world. As Tim mentioned, next Sunday we begin our Advent series, Time for Joy. It's an opportunity in the weeks ahead for us to lean into rejoicing as we reflect on what Christ's coming means for us. Advent will be for us a time to live out what Paul is instructing us to do here, to rejoice continually and habitually, not just in this hour together here, but to take this out into our lives, into our world, and to continue to rejoice in who God is, in what he's done, and in what he is doing. Our act of rejoicing, even if all we can do is barely whisper a few words, keeps the Spirit's work of joy circulating within us. And it creates a reservoir within out of which gentleness more easily flows. And so this leads to Paul's next command in verse 5. When he says, let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. The Greek word for gentleness used here was described by Aristotle as a generous treatment of others. It's a word that's often associated with an attitude of of mercy and of graciousness when a response of retaliation would actually be expected. Think again about those moments when you are personally jarred by others in some way. Perhaps your actions are challenged, your rights ignored, your motives questioned, or your reputation threatened. Our natural instinct in those moments is to want to defend ourselves, perhaps even to push back against the other person. 
Tim noted in previous weeks that gentleness that we're talking about here is not a weakness, but it's a strength. You see, it takes strength for us to resist some of our initial impulses in how we might respond to others. In gentleness, we elevate Christ's qualities ahead of our own, and we seek to act as he would. Elsewhere, Paul refers to the meekness and gentleness of Christ. Like our rejoicing, gentleness is grounded in our relationship with the Lord. Paul reminds us here, the Lord is near. And only his influence and only his transformation can produce gentleness within us on a consistent basis. Gentleness isn't what many will expect to see from us because that wouldn't be their response. And so our gentleness creates an opportunity for Christ's love to be seen through us. Gentleness, in fact, is such a revealing characteristic of the Spirit's influence upon God's people Paul commands that our gentleness be visible for all to see, that we would be known for the quality of gentleness. Most likely, anyone drawn to Christ through us won't be a result of what we know, but of who we are as a compelling contrast to their life and to the world around them. And so let me ask this morning, each of us, if others were to describe what they see spilling out of us when we are jarred, would gentleness be one of the words they would most quickly think of? Now, if you found yourself cringing at that question, we'll return to it again in just a few moments. But let's also notice that if rejoicing can fill our tank for gentleness, anxiety can all too easily drain it. And so we see Paul's next set of commands in verse 6. He says, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. You know, most of us tend to be pretty good at worrying, don't we? Our minds go where they shouldn't. Our hearts become fearful. We can become easily shaken within by an uncertain future over which we have little control. Who of us hasn't lost sleep at night or been consumed during the day by trouble that may or may not come. And Paul gathers up all of the possible sources of anxiety with a comprehensive in every situation. And then he uses not one, not two, but three action words about bringing all of these things in every situation to God. Prayer, petition, requests, 
And then Paul adds a fourth word that just seems a little out of place with anxiety, and that is the word thanksgiving. But you see, whereas anxiety tends to anticipate trouble out in front of us, thanksgiving anchors us in what God already has done and the encouragement of that. We're told to entrust God in every situation of anxiety. And Paul says that when we do, something incredible occurs. Let's look at verse 7. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Paul doesn't promise that we'll get what we pray for, but he assures us that we will be recipients of God's peace. And he tells us two things about this peace. First of all, we're told this peace is beyond our understanding. I like to think of it as as Paul saying, we will experience peace in moments and in situations where it just doesn't make sense to have it. But it's there. I can't tell you how many times I've visited with folks in our congregation who were perhaps near the end of their life or maybe struggling with some particular hardship, and I've seen peace within them. You wouldn't expect to see it in such moments, but it becomes a testimony of God's presence, of God's work within us, that we can experience His peace when it would be least expected. That's because of something else, I think, that Paul tells us about peace. And that is that this is an active peace that will guard our hearts and our minds. When these words were written, there was a Roman military base of soldiers in Philippi guarding the city gate. And so Paul is saying that God's peace will do the same, guarding us internally from external threats and uncertainty. Now, as we consider these qualities today in Paul's words, we may struggle with how often we fall short of them. Perhaps we don't rejoice much of the time. Maybe gentleness isn't the first response that usually emerges from us. Or perhaps we can too easily continue to stew about our anxieties even after we've brought them to God. And so notice in this passage again, thinking of Paul's words in Galatians, that joy and gentleness and peace are fruit of God's work within us. They're not necessarily qualities we need to try harder at, but they are what we wear pointing to what God is doing within us. But that means we do have a role in partnering with the Spirit's work and influence in our lives. Paul's final two commands in this text may be no coincidence after the ground that he has covered. In verse 8, Paul tells us to think. He says, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. 
And then in verse 9, he tells us to act. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice. And the Greek wording around both this thinking and this acting, again, is continual and repetitive. These words of instruction are a helpful reminder to us that what we take in and reinforce through our thinking influences the the spiritual soil within of our lives that God has, that the Spirit has to work with. And what we live out in our actions impacts our alignment with what God is also doing in our lives. And so Paul encourages us here to assess our thinking and our acting, whether they reinforce or impede the work of God's Spirit within us, and to ask God for understanding of how we can cultivate healthy spiritual conditions within that allows the Holy Spirit's fruit to more freely flow out of us. Among these three fruit of the Spirit that we've looked at this morning, gentleness is a bit different from the others. We can rejoice by ourselves. We can experience God's peace by ourselves. But gentleness has a horizontal dimension that shapes our treatment of and interaction with others. And so let me return to my previous question. If others were to describe what they see spilling out of us, would gentleness be one of the first words that they would use? Now, just in case your conclusion might be discouraging, let me offer two thoughts that I hope will be very encouraging for us as we wrap up this series on gentleness. First of all, even if gentleness isn't the first response that spills out of us, it will be no less evident in our cleanup of what does spill out. Let me say that again. Even if gentleness isn't the first thing that spills out of us, it can be no less evident in our cleanup of what does spill out by apologizing for words or a reaction that fell short of what someone deserved or that was our best. These moments can stand out every bit as much as initial gentleness that may come from us. And if we catch ourselves wishing we'd had a different response or uh, acknowledging a desire for more gentleness within, these are a sign that the Spirit is at work within us, even if it wasn't captured in a particular moment. And then the second thought I would encourage is even if gentleness may still feel like a stretch for some of us. Let's hear the Apostle Paul's words earlier in this very same letter to the Philippians when he said in chapter 1, verse 6, He who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. You see, God isn't done 
with any of us. And the Holy Spirit still has more gentleness to carve out of each of us. And so this exploration of the fruit of gentleness has become an opportunity for us to invite God to do within us what we cannot do ourselves so that our gentleness will be a glimpse not only of the Spirit's influence within us, but also of God's ability to change and to transform us. Make no mistake, there will be moments when we are jarred by life and by others. And in those moments, what is inside will come spilling out of us in our reaction. When those moments occur, may we increasingly wear the gentleness of Christ for all the world to see. Let's pray together. Oh, holy God, thank you for the work that you are doing within us, that your power is so much greater than our weakness. Thank you for your Holy Spirit and the Spirit's influence. And Lord, as we ponder these words, as we think of what spills out of us, please speak to us this week in ways that reflect back to us not only what is there, but encourage us with your promise of what can be there as we allow your Spirit to work. Please, Lord God, continue to shape us in every way that we would reflect your gentleness to a world that is desperately in need of it. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to our First Prez podcast. For more information, you can visit us online at www.first-prez.org.